I look at the numbers here, it appears as if they came in a, well, a bit higher than expected personal spending topping expectations. It looks like uh, the PCE uh, price index on a month-over-month -month basis well above prior levels, which is actually negative, is up 0.3. The core PCE on a year-over-year -year coming in uh, above expectations, prior levels getting revised. So not what the indices wanted to see, uh, as we can see here, again, going from uh, positive here now to negative. Let's check in on the other top traded products because the U.S. dollar was hanging out right around that 112.45 level. And while the dollar is actually, uh, as you can see, inching up just a little bit to 112.52. I've got 10-year uh, treasuries right now. The future's at 112.17. Basically unchanged after that number. Gold hanging out at 16.73, 72.70. It's just under where it was into the number at 16.75. So here you can see some of the top traded products here. I want to bring in uh, Chief Investment Officer at D. Alexander Capital. Larry Shover's joining us this morning for a look at these numbers. Larry, what stands out here? It looks like they were a little bit higher than expected. Yeah, hotter than expected. And I think the midweek madness that we saw is continuing to the end of the week, quarter, and month. I mean, the fact that the whole narrative seems to be switching in that, you know, it used to be inflation was public enemy, number one. And now there's a not so quiet resignation uh, that tightening monetary policy around the world is not only unavoidable, but might err, or err on the side of being. Uh, demand destruction and issues, and this isn't helping. This is this is kind of uh, putting gas on the fire, as it were. You know, I, I like that because that's been one of our focal points here this week. As we look at these numbers here, Larry, we've been talking about this, and a great point. Uh, this midweek madness we've seen continuing into the end of the week, the end of the month, end of the quarter. Uh, buckle up, right? Because t t traditionally, October is a more volatile month than September than any months of the year. I heard by 30 uh, percent above the average for the year. And in terms of this, you mentioned monetary policy. We've got uh, inflation. I mean, buckle up again, because it seems to be here for longer than expected. And along those lines, this is just the trend that we're seeing, right? When you look at uh, the pipeline developments, I mean, that, that yes, those yes. flows being cut off, I mean, those are going to be here longer than expected initially, too. This is all being very much drawn out and played out over a longer period than we'd hope to see or than investors would feel comfortable with, it sounds like. Yeah, no, especially, yeah, especially when you consider like the two major spending narratives where, you know, I, I'm way off on these numbers. I didn't know they'd run so hot because we've had, you know, a significant decline in gasoline prices. So that should help a lot uh, with the consumer. And, and you know, they peaked in June. And then we also have, the, you know, the implied negative wealth effect of the, you know, the stock market, domestic equities have fallen off the map over the last couple of months. And, the, you know, housing met metrics have cooled off, I mean, uh, and downshifted. So yeah. all that to say, perhaps the decline in gasoline prices, which people hold so dearly and helps with spending, of course, maybe that's what's causing a lot of these numbers to be hotter than I expected. You know, I just want to uh, real quick here, Larry, give me a second because I'm getting a couple charts ready. I want to point out the number that we're seeing here did send the indices lower the ES down to this 3640 area. So about a 35 handle move lower, nothing to shake a stick at here. And we're still holding these lower levels. The one minute shows again, the most immediate reaction. Now I want to be very careful here and not blow this move out of proportion because while we did move back down to 3648, we're currently trading down by about a 10, two tenths of a percent. I was talking about how we're very much range bound and contained here this week for the most part, upper extreme 3750, lower new year lows for the year, albeit, but down to 3613 and still somewhat limited in terms of follow through there. Let's talk a little bit about more commodities and uh, again, 
gold, for example, and some of the price activity we saw this week, because uh, while the indices have remained uh, fairly contained, the NASDAQ, the Russell didn't take out the year low prints. Now the Dow and the ES did, but follow through again being somewhat limited so far. We've seen a big move in gold, took out 1700 and this week down to 1622 off the lows yeah. again, the extremes, but nonetheless a breakout that appears to have a bit more energy associated with it. Absolutely, and if I th if I'm if I'm correct, I think it's basically flat over a five-day trading period. But like gold has some significant moves, um, you know, higher yields definitely weighing on gold, and we saw you know ten-year yields up at four percent on Wednesday. Um, long liquidation. Um, actually hit a two and a quarter year low that's somewhat supportive but i think losses for gold have been limited given you know the red hot numbers we've seen especially yesterday german um august i'm sorry september cpi hit a record high so yeah, yeah it's been in a band but a volatile band as it were we were talking about the German CPI numbers at the top of the show here as well. That was one of our uh, full screens that we showed right at the beginning here. I want to just pull up gold and, and have a look real quick at uh, some of the price activity. Because to Larry's point, in many ways, this move, now that I look at it, it was a bit more significant than I remembered it as. And it does kind of put us in a little bit more neutral zone in terms of this week and last week, for that matter. Compared to, and this was what I was thinking about more, Larry, when I talked about gold in terms of conviction and having seen some follow-throughs, the breach of 1,700 and, again, the move all the way down to 1622 today. But to your point, that was a sharp move up that we saw. And, and I kind of remember it rolling over yesterday. And I guess I thought that was a little bit more overdone or more to the downside than it really got to, again, only to 1650 here. And we're really uh, continuing higher here today, up another fourth of tenth, uh, four tenths of a percent. Obviously, directly close and tied to some of what we've seen in the U.S. dollar. I mean, this uh, very well-defined inverse correlation playing out here. But what are you talking uh, when you see gold selling off here like this? And you've got, uh, obviously, a lot of uncertainty in terms of what's playing out in terms of the economy here in the U.S. and globally. Ultimately, for me, Larry, my focus this week shifted to copper to sort of get that feel, right? Because there's been so much turmoil in the currencies, financial markets, rates spiking, for example. The 10-year yields to 4% this week will just shy of. You had that record low in the British pound against the U.S. dollar. But, again, trying to determine whether uh, we're getting some real... Uh, a relief of some of the concerns, the unease that we had been feeling based on actions on behalf of central bankers, or whether it's just kind of adding some of those concerns and questions uh, into the mix already there. Uh, we look to copper, and ultimately, as it's been somewhat range-bound, it's kind of giving us a little bit more level-headed approach towards uh, what we've been <laughs> seeing relative to some of the other price activity in currencies, for example, in rates. Yeah, no, yeah, copper is, uh, is set up to, what, uh, have its sixth consecutive losing month. Um, but it's one of those issues where when you look at canceled warrants coming out of the LME, per se, um, in, in July, August, we're talking canceled warrants at about 50 percent. Now they're down to 7 percent while inventory is rising. So it just it, it's just a clear picture that um, inventory has gone up and uh, demand for the copper has gone down at the same time. But all that to say, copper has been fairly robust given the supply demand picture, at least since the, what I've seen at the end of July until today. Larry, talk to us uh, about some of the Fed speakers this week. I saw you noted uh, a couple of their comments and uh, uh, some of, again, well, not only the upcoming Fed speakers, but a very busy week in terms of uh, some of their uh, mentions already. What was it that really caught your eye? 
You know, nothing in particular except almost a common theme among all of them. And we've had a slew of Fed speakers, as you know. But again, it's like the the, the conversation has like almost shifted from um, inflation. Like everybody knows that was public enemy number one. That's all everybody talked about. But now it's like almost to the fact that even if we're going into a recession, even if we have a, you know, demand destruction, we're still raising rates where that's almost unavoidable. And I think that's why we saw such madness in the middle of the week. When you think of like a 210 uh, spread steepens uh, to negative 23 and then snaps back to flatten to negative 47 four, and 10 year yields 4 percent down to three, uh, 368. I mean, that's madness uh, compared to you know what we've seen over the past six or nine months. So I think it's just a whole shift. And also, um, people are really worried, and I guess should be, when you have diverging hybrid Fed policy, not Fed policy, but policy like Bank of England. You know, they want to raise rates, but they also are buying guilt at the same time. I mean, who does that? It's like... To me, it's almost a parallel to what we saw in Japan in the early 90s when, um, you know, they, they were hawkish. They got uh, rates up to near 6 percent. And then after that, they had decades of deflation. So it, it's madness. It is madness. And markets don't like that, Larry. Lastly, no. I just wanted to get your thoughts because we were talking a little bit about the week ahead, the uh, month ahead, the quarter ahead a minute ago. And I was talking earlier in the show about how, uh, well, while September is typically a, a tough month for investors and traders and for stocks and stock index futures products, I mean, October is typically a volatile one. So it sounds like, again, with the madness that you're describing here, that we should uh, tighten up our chin straps and fasten our seatbelts and uh, keep our hands inside the vehicle until it comes to a full stop. <laughs> I think so. And, you know, we've seen this before. And, and sometimes the volatility will just stop on a dime because the market needs to hear something new. The market got shocked this week with diverging monetary policy rumors that the Bank of Japan is going to continue to instill yield curve control. A lot of hawkishness from the ECB and, of course, the hybrid policy and the Bank of England. Um, it, it, it's scary to a lot of people, but at some point the markets will adjust to it like they seem to be doing now and will need to see something new. Okay. Well, while that happens here, oftentimes uh, we see that uh, wider range intraday moves and uh, swings within that. And uh, ultimately, here uh, we're keeping an eye on the lows that we saw this week here. If the NASDAQ and the Russell participate, I would imagine that would sour investor sentiment a little bit more. Something to keep an eye on, Larry, and a few focal points. Appreciate you bringing them to our attention. Larry Shover joining us this morning from D. Alexander Capital. And we're